much for coming. Um, you lovely lady with your chanting bowl. What's it called? A singing bowl. With your mm. singing bowl. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you take and me this through. This is a kalimba. That's something slightly different. Oh, I'm feeling relaxed in your presence. <laughs> um, I'm just going to sit and get really comfy. So, wow, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be, meet you again and connect with you a bit further. Well, I feel like I've got to know you in your book. Okay. You've not read mine yet. You've got one, but um, I have read and learned and... Do you know, the first thing that really sprung to my mind was this kind of travel, how it really impacts your life. It opens mm. you up to new experiences, new dangers, which you talk about, mm. um, new people, new lessons. And I love the way the end of each chapter, you end with a lesson. Thank you. It's really quite powerful, isn't it? Um, so well done on writing the book. What was the inspiration behind? Um, yeah, the ma the primary inspiration was after having children, thinking about God. Oh, you know, I used to live this different life and do all these things, and wouldn't it be lovely to capture some of that and actually share that so that when they grow up, I don't know, they can look back and think about a few things that their their mum did and see her in a different light and maybe inspire them to try some different things out there in life and. Uh, yeah, and then I sort of thought, gosh, you know, your memory does fade over time. You do all these amazing things and you think you'll remember them, mm -hmm. you know. And then I sort of started to think, well, maybe I won't. And there's a bit of Alzheimer's in the family. So, you know, that all started to come together. And then I did my uh, teacher training, my yoga teacher training in India. And when I got back from there, I decided I just needed to sort of write down and share and sort of draw out of myself what I'd experienced out there. And that became the first chapter I'd ever write, written. But at that time, it wasn't that was going to be part of a book or anything. It was just I wanted to get the words down on paper. And then it was after children, some, some years later, I thought, oh, maybe I'll write a few other chapters and maybe it could come together into a book. And um, yeah, ten, 10 years later, it's transpired into a book. Wow, mm. I love that. And I'm actually quite envious because I've got stories in my head and some you forget, so it's so powerful to be able to tune into that and reminisce and relive the experiences again, you know? Totally. So you've got this book and, you know, for your kids to read and your grandkids and all these things, it's, it's magic. That was part of, partly the inspiration for me. A legacy for my kids, yeah. you know? If I was to get hit by a bus next week, well, they'd have this amazing book. Well, not blowing my own trumpet, but, yeah. um, but you know, for them, it's amazing because yeah. I'm their mum and same with your kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're going to love it no matter what. <laughs> Um, they're our biggest cheerleaders so uh, it's, it's fantastic and it's funny you brought back some memories of my travels you speak about magic mushrooms in the book <laughs> now I had an experience on um, what's the beach uh, Panyang the, where they do the film in party in yes Copanyang Copanyang yeah I had an experience there where I'd been given a chocolate milkshake which Ooh. was a magic mushroom shake from mushroom tower right and was dancing around and I picked up this paint this bright fluorescent paint and started throwing it over my body and in my head it dried instantly so I was just throwing wow. paint everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> this was the mushrooms. <laughs> so um, would, do you regret having the mushroom shake? Um, it was a pizza that I had. Um, yeah, no, right. I think I have this curiosity in life and it, you know, it brings you good stuff. It brings you stuff that maybe you wish you hadn't tried, but mm -hmm. kind of my philosophy is 
try it and then you've got the experience and hopefully you never do anything you know dangerous to you or anyone else um but i think curiosity can really take you to new places meet new connections and it's really interesting someone recently said to me Lindsay, i see that you like to sort of leave footprints um about things to people and i thought that's a really interesting you know kind of idea and i thought actually that is quite interesting to Mm -hmm. kind of I don't know, offer things out to people that maybe, like you say, can help their story or help them remember things. I like that. Yeah, Bring you back. I quite like that. And, you know, in a good way, so that you're not damaging or harming or, you know, especially all the climate stuff out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I shared a quote for World Book Day. Um, I didn't realise it was World Book Day until someone tagged my book <laughs> and I thought, oh, better get with it. Um, but by Matt Haig, and he says, all you have to do, all the writer has to do is uh, light a match and hopefully mm. a dry one and the reader has to ignite the flame well that's really a nice way of putting it because everyone is going to read the book from their lens and they'll pick bits from it and it will rekindle memories exactly and you know that's a real compliment when I hear people saying after reading the book that yeah they, they've remembered their own parts of their own story and reading mm. mine and that's what it should be like you yeah know? it's about you know people finding their own inspiration it's really nice and you've had some fascinating moments from your travels um I mean that I did like the mushroom pizza story a lot <laughs> um but yeah when you were do you know I loved when you were on the mountain and you was it did you have this kiss just before you <laughs> broke your ankle totally random kiss came out of nowhere yeah was really struggling to get out of this volcano in hindsight probably suffering from high altitude sickness the guide in the end said let's just turn back and I agreed and uh, we were sort of got I got all happy and skippy because I guess I was descending I was feeling brighter I wasn't quite so much pain and mental agony and then we just stopped at this point and I don't know I guess I was happy and I turned around and we just ended up kissing random kiss yeah. um, it was so weird even to this day I think did that really happen but of course um, as it transpired, a lot more significant things happened right after that point. So it just kind of got lost as part of the story, and it's only now sort of drawing it out again and writing about it. It's like it's quite a comical moment. Goodness. <laughs> I mean, did you have another kiss after? I didn't. No, by that point, yeah, I was thinking, oh my goodness, what have I broken, and how am I going to get home, and how am I going to tell my mum, which I didn't actually tell until I'd landed back on UK soil. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Scary. Uh, I mean, I just thought a lot of the stories, you know, you're so brave, you know, um, going through something to break a bone, to be, for one, attempting something so challenging as well. Um, and then just to, to sort of not let that put you off doing more traveling and getting back yeah, on maybe. it. I think if one thing I kind of feel like I learn is um, reframing is a really useful tool. So, uh-huh. you know, you think something's happened to you that how am I going to deal with this? And yet you can just to the power of your mind, turn it around. So yeah. I talk about in the book how, yes, I broke my ankle and I'd ruined my holiday. But you know what? I found out later that one of the planes I was trying to get home actually crashed and nobody survived. And then you suddenly think, oh my goodness, I only had a broken ankle. You know, actually I'm doing okay. And yeah, yeah that's really interesting. And I think the other thing you learn and more so when you become a mum is whatever you're faced with in life you just somehow have the strength of the capacity to deal with it at the time yeah and people call that brave but I think for a lot of people they don't think like that at the time you just react and respond and move forward yeah that's true and thank goodness we can do that I guess <laughs> and how do we let go of fear because you're speaking about this windy road and uh, you've you know the bus trip and you found because mm. we've all been on that road somewhere where you're terrified or perhaps it's a boat or turbulent plane or something like that and and that fear can really overtake you 
How do you move yeah. past when we have experiences like that? I think where I'm at now with and with all the yoga and the increasing yoga that I do, I, I think that it's about acknowledging, accepting and then working with the, the things that you've got. So your breath is probably one of the most powerful tools you own and you have in your body. And it's one of the, I think, maybe the only thing that we can both control consciously mm-hmm. and yet it can also work unconsciously. Yeah. So you don't have to think about breathing all the time, but at the same time you can bring it into your conscious thought. Okay. And that can just help control your emotions, your your parasympathetic system, so you're sort of um you're you're relaxing your nervous system, either your fight or flight, adrenaline, something's kicked in, you need to run away, survive. Or simultaneously actually I just need to pause, to calm down, to yeah, control your breath. So the breath is really key. So and and I realised it after after a lot of the rock climb I did when I get in a tight spot and I, I have had tears on the mountain. I've done all sorts and it's always your breath you come back to because you get to a point where actually no one can help me but myself because no one can hear me. I'm on the end of this rope. My my climbing partner's up there somewhere. He's not sure what's going on. So you just think right. Do you know what? Gather your breath, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Get your head together and just get on with it. So what would you say to someone, and you could even be in a traffic jam and you're stressed, you're starting to feel anxious, you're about to go on stage and give a talk or a presentation, we all go through feelings of fear, what would you say to someone, uh, would you talk them through how to breathe or... Do you know, I would, I would sort of almost like to invite around to say, set yourself a challenge, guys. So, yeah, next time you see a red light and you're feeling a little bit, uh, whatever reason's coming up, you know, how, how much can you work with yourself and your breath? to see what a difference you can make yeah so when you see that red light saying traffic jam come to your breath can you can you extend the out breath the out breath is a great way of reducing anxiety pretty Mm -hmm. instantaneously but you know try it for yourselves and just see how much can you play with this thing that we have and can it make a difference and you might be really surprised um, you might need to work with it a little bit. It, you might start to go even deeper. We call it pranayama in a yogic sense of working with your breath. Um, yeah, so I would just encourage you to take it as a little bit of a challenge, you know. Yeah. See, see what you can do with it. See what difference it can make. See where it goes. And, you know, if it doesn't make a difference, that's okay too. Because yeah. you, you tried it. Maybe there's something else that's going to help you. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, breathing and meditation and all these things. But they're so powerful, aren't they? And a lot of people were saying, I've been doing a mindfulness course, and a lot of people were saying it's made them really appreciate yoga. So where did your love of yoga come? Talk to me about where this started. Yeah, I, I was At the time I came to yoga, I was definitely needing something. I was feeling stressed, very anxious. I was in my 20s, um, sort of launched into a big corporate career from university, and the pressure was just increasing. And I was working for an American bank, and there was a big expectation, and I was doing really well. Mm -hmm. But I had noticed that I was starting to feel a bit anxious at times. So they then introduced, because I was in this lovely on-site organisation, and they had an on-site gym, and they introduced a yoga class, a couple of yoga classes, in fact. And I thought, oh, I'll go along and give it a go. And almost... like really suddenly I sort of felt that I have to be in my yoga class this week because it's helping me get through what I need to do this week Mm -hmm. and it kind of crept in very subtly and then I thought I need that yoga class and then I started doing two a week and then I start in my natural curious sense exploring it finding out more and it just kind of went from there really and then I'd ended up moving to work in Canada um, for this American bank and um, when I decided that that wasn't really going the way I wanted it to go I was going to take a, a kind of break a sabbatical I thought if I could do something in this sabbatical for me what would I do and I thought I know 
I'll go to India and I'll really deepen my understanding of this thing called yoga, not because I wanted to be a teacher at that point, but just because I thought a teacher training is going to give me a good thorough immersion in it all. Mm. And that's where I went with it. And yeah, yeah, it's really kind of grown from there. And it's interesting because there's a lot of discussion now about yoga teacher trainings and it's not regulated as such, but people talk about, you know, take, do a long training, do a 500 hours, take four years. Some people go and do like a quick hit. They do a month immersion in India or whatever it is. And I kind of feel it's to each to their own. For Mm. me, I did the quick immersion. I wanted the complete submersion into it. But then I spent the next 10 years kind of processing it and building on it and kind of finding my way with it. So amazing yeah you hear some people say oh, i've gone to thailand i've gone to various places so india what why was it india that you chose um for me it was i wanted to get to more the roots of it because yeah. it originally comes from india I mean, it's been around for so many thousands um of years um i guess for me it was important to have something that i felt was authentic was different i love different cultures mm-hmm. um it was just a real opportunity to yeah go and do a bit of that and to be honest I probably didn't realize all of that at the time it just mm-hmm. India seemed a great place to go and I really landed on my feet because I you know I studied with this amazing master who's still out there training lots of people um Yoga Sri Vishvaktu and um pronounced that well yeah a bit of practice and um <laughs> yeah just just it's all meant to be isn't it at the end of the day and I don't think there is a thing about taking wrong directions anymore. I just think you might take some scenic routes. Um, there's a really good quote I heard recently, and is you can sometimes take a, a wrong turn in the right direction. Oh, I like that. You can <laughs> take a wrong turn in the right direction. Love that. Yeah. Powerful. So do you see it as quite a spiritual practice then? Did they speak about this in India and the roots? Did you have a few insights there or...? I think so. I've always, I've always been this sort of corporate body, but then at the same time very into the spiritual side of things. And I've never really let the two meet. And probably the the only the, the biggest time to let the two meet is now when I've left the corporate world, but still able to kind of bring those skills into what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it needs to be a spiritual practice. I think some people lean towards that. Some people are open to it. Some people don't want that in their life right now, but who knows in the future, tomorrow, 10 years, 20 years. So I've definitely become a lot more... I guess just believing in things happen when they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. I, I personally don't sort of force on others the spiritual side, but I love it. Yeah. And I'm happy to share it and I'm happy to keep on learning about it. Yeah, interesting. Um, so what's your ideal kind of yoga practice then? What's your thing? Makes- oh, goodness, yeah. Um, it does change. It changes where I'm at, how I'm feeling. And it's funny because I used to be a religious, um, as religious as infrequently, um, do a Bikram practice, which is like a 90-minute, really hot practice, set 26 postures that you do twice. And um, it seemed very much for like what we call like rajasic people, so sort of the pita, the fire, and it is very hot, demanding, rewarding. And that used to really appeal to my personality. And then I don't do that really anymore. I've moved away from that. I think because of time, because of my money um, but then um, just this week I went back to do a practice of it in Glasgow and I've not done it for a year and oh my goodness it really kicked my butt but it was like just interesting and different to do it so um, that isn't my regular practice right now but I still like to tap into those things um, there's so many different styles and teachers and it's almost the more yoga the you do the more of a novice you feel um, my ideal practice these days would be um, a very sort of um, 
I guess diverse practice. So I love a bit of mantra, music, um, a bit of meditation with that. Um, these days, I kind of think my meditation is I've started to learn the piano. I go into this different place when I'm playing oh, that is really, for me, like a meditation. Oh, it's so powerful. Um, yeah, That's I like that. So powerful. I got Bonnie lessons. We got her a wee piano at Christmas. Oh. And uh, I, I said to her, I said, one of mommy's biggest regrets from childhood is giving up lessons because I thought it was uncool. She said, mommy, don't worry, I'll never make that mistake. Oh, and bless. she loves her lesson. Every week she's so excited. And she said this morning, mommy, I love piano. And just to see her develop. And I said, well, maybe you can give me lessons. Yes. Um, but it's a spirit, it's an amazing thing. It's good for the soul um, to just be... I always say, you know, part of the reason I wanted her to learn was to have a, a sort of place to go and heal any, you know, pain that she goes through. She can just strum out on the chords and, oh, just amazing. It is good. People often sort of ask me, oh, you know, how do I do a med- meditation practice? What should I do? And people have this idea they need to set up a little shrine and sit down and be nothing, you know, sit, sit blank, clear your mind. And it can be that, absolutely. But I think you're right. People also need to give themselves space to find other ways. So playing the piano for five minutes today, that yeah. can be perfect for you and fits in with your life, you know, and... Go for it, I say. Yeah, Yeah. I think music is such a gift and such a way to put us in that relaxed state Mm. where you're very present. Um, For me, when I'm singing around the kitchen, I'm I'm literally lost in music. Now, sometimes I do record it to help boost other people, but I'm still, when I record it, I'm still lost in it. I'm kind of over the... Well, I don't care how I look, I just do it. Um, But yeah, it's so important for us. Um... Wow, I'm feeling really inspired, actually. This is good. What's your thoughts on mindfulness, then? How they overlap? Do you... Yeah, um, mindfulness to me is yoga. So um, I do some workshops with a mindfulness teacher, which is great, and I love hearing, because obviously people... There's lots of trainings out there now. Um, It's become a thing of its own. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's no really different from yoga. A lot of people think about yoga practice as being a very physical practice on a mat, which, of course, it can, and it is, and it's called asana. But yoga is also about philosophy and breathing and relaxation and mindfulness and meditation. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the whole thing. So I don't mind what it's called. I'm just really glad to see lots more people doing it. Yeah. It was just in my head because I was thinking um, the mindful course, it was a lot of meditation. And I was thinking, well, what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Is there a difference? Yeah, you often hear it, don't you, interchangeably used. Um I don't think it matters. I mean, everyone's perception is their reality at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah. Um, if it's one word that makes it more accessible, great. Interesting enough, I've started this book, I've not finished it yet, but it's called The Waking of the Tiger, and it's about trauma, and it sort of has this link in there saying that healing trauma, um, what the book is saying is um, more than just sort of therapy, and I know this is slightly controversial, but the book is saying it's more than just sort of being therapy. If it's linked with therapy and a physical element, so movement, exercise, yoga, um, it's about connecting the mind and the body, and it's those two together that can be one of the most powerful tools to help ourselves heal Mm -hmm. from whatever we're experiencing, especially if it's something trauma or traumatic. And I find that really interesting, that it's bringing that together, and it makes sense to me but I'm kind of enjoying exploring this very scientific person that's talking about it interesting oh I love I mm. love hearing about science and how you know because people would say all oh, all this well-being chat some of it will still find but new age some people even find yeah. yoga new age yeah but the science is there you know this everything's backed up by science so I think we need to raise more mm. awareness of that 
um, that the two, it's not, you know, different camps. It's, yes, it's all connected. It have to be exclusive. And the important thing for me is that mindfulness is great. I think, yes, when you attach mindfulness with something a little bit more active or activity, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be totally static sitting there. Uh-huh. It can be, yeah, just doing something but mindfully, mindfully playing the piano, mindfully washing dishes. Yeah, we did a mindful movement course yes. and we also did the touch. I am massive on touch. Like mm. I've always loved massage and facial and... I was getting a facial the other week and they said, I'm just going to leave you to relax now with this mask. And I was like, well, can't you stroke my arm or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so needy. Um, and I don't know where that, cause, but then some people I've spoken to hate, like the touch makes them really uncomfortable. And they were doing like even just tapping themselves yeah. mindfully and they were stressed because they didn't like sort of giving yeah. their body that kind of sensation. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it probably break, could bring up trauma or, you know. And I think what's great about that is that that's bringing awareness to everybody when they're doing it. So whether it's seen as good, bad, indifferent experience, what it is doing is making someone aware of their own body responses, how yeah. it's feeling. You know, if it's something that isn't pleasant to them, then maybe they'll they'll leave it. But if it is really pleasant, maybe that's something that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very mm. uh, fascinating. And um, we were speaking about NLP. Now, yeah. I've spoken about NLP a lot on this, and I, I think it's I'm tempted to do a course myself. Ah, yeah. um, what made you get into that and study? Yeah, when I, you know, the reason, the trigger for me when I was doing NLP was coming back off my first maternity leave, um, coming from a very high-pressure job in a bank, um, having that expectation on me, but also feeling quite weighed down by the expectation of the company because I felt a different person after having a kid and it was very traumatic, but you know, and all the, all the stuff that comes with it um, and had a poor baby. And I just thought, God, my confidence doesn't really feel where I need it to be at to walk back in to this job and be able to feel I can do it to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking around thinking, what could I do to help support my transition to that? And whatever reason I'd seen or heard about, I can't remember exactly this, and I thought, I'm going to do an NLP course. And it was just, uh, it was an intro course. I think it was an intensive five day one and um and I signed myself up and I thought I don't know I'm just gonna hope this is my ticket mm-hmm. to get me back on where I need to be in my life and my career and my self-confidence and it just started to open up the world in a different way because I think I kind of went into it thinking I'm going to learn some great communication skills mm-hmm. and what it actually does is kind of you turn yourself inside out you know mm-hmm. finding exploring who you are how how you see the world and actually realizing that people don't see it how you see it um, so it started to become a real journey, um, but it definitely did give me that, that little boost that I was looking for at the same time to get back into work. And then I just continued the journey um, over a number of years. Wow. So would you say it totally changed your life? It has done. And sometimes I sort of stop and think, actually, yeah, I could link that back to the NLP training. Mm-hmm. Um, it changed the whole book that I was writing. So the book took a number of years. But after my NLP journey, I was thinking, oh, yeah, how have I written the book? What language have I used? What messages does I want to give? Mm-hmm. So that sort of led to a rehaul of the book. Um, even now it changes the way I um, offer up my yoga to my community uh-huh. because you use the language, a lot is about language NLP in a way that um, encourages or supports or um, yeah can offer people a certain way to look at things in their life and um, that's, that's just again just feels like a gift to have mm-hmm. that understanding and be able to use it in a positive way. That's amazing. What would be your key? Because we spoke about you used it to overcome your love of chocolate, or someone used it on yeah, you. Yeah, Tell us about that. So <laughs> there are a number of tools and techniques um, when you are NLP trained, and this particular one, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's a very short process. But you really can use it to turn a like into a dislike 
or a dislike into a like. So at the time I felt I've always been really kind of beholden to the, the need, the urge, the craving to eat chocolate in my life. And I thought, God, if anything's going to work in testing this tool, it'll be me and chocolate. So um, the routine is kind of a way, it's very sort of short, sharp, staccato kind of thing that you do. And it's sort of getting underneath the surface and they call it like a recoding of your brain. So um, it sounds a bit brainwashing, but um, you only sort of accept something at the same time if, if you want to. Um, and the idea was to replace something like chocolate in my mind with something that reminds me of chocolate, but is something that I really wouldn't like or abhor. So for me, I'm vegetarian. So I sort of did this link between chocolate being like um, a piece of steak because it looks the same colour and it has a different texture, but there were sim- enough similarities. So you go through this process where you sort of end up recoding your brain so that immediately afterwards when I would think about chocolate I would actually my brain had gone to this idea of eating this bit of steak and it, uh-huh. you know well, no my goodness why would I want to do that I'm vegetarian and all the reasons that I, I do that so that was sort of the immediate effect and then that was like four years ago for me which is it's a long time so now it's almost it's less about that reaction when I think about chocolate it's more just it's the desire is, is gone it's left so yes, I could eat a bit of chocolate, but there's not that craving, that need, that desire. And I mean, that, that still amazes me to this day. And that just shows the power of the mind. Wow. How long does the process take? About 20 minutes. That's all. And, and, that's, yeah. and, and it's changed your mindset for life. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, incredible, oh isn't it? Is it? How does it differ from hypnotism? Ooh, um, so I haven't done any training in hypnotism. Um, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head. Wow. It must be accessing different cues. There must be similarities that you are giving different messages to the brain. Um, yeah, I couldn't say for sure the definite differences. Oh, goodness. So if people want to come and be cured of chocolate, they can come to you? <laughs> it's, it's one technique in a host of many. Um, some people like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's possible. I'm thinking the things that I would... Would I pick chocolate or cheese? Oh, maybe. Or maybe, like, people need to eat more broccoli in their lives and... <laughs> so, okay, you, you could do, do it, it where you, well. you start you to crave, it. you can reverse it. So. Not crave, but you would maybe think, oh, yeah, I like that, I'd eat that. Whereas maybe now you, you don't. Or maybe it's like a smell. Some people don't like the smell of scrambled eggs, for example. Uh-huh. And would be like, I, w- I, I want to be less bothered by it, or their husband has garlic breath, or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. You can just sort of alter your, your reaction and perception, so... That's powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone trained in NLP is, of course, goes through very rigorous training in the ethical side of using it as well. And that, that's really important. And that's always drummed into practitioners, um, you know, to treat it with the respect it deserves. Have you heard any stories about... You, you always do. Um, give us an example. Oh, goodness. Um, I don't know. I mean, you, you do hear about extremes in... You could use it in a slightly manipulative sense. So in a business context, if you were negotiating some sort of deal, you could employ some techniques to kind of unconsciously sway somebody towards something you want to do. But you've also got to be pretty smart and pretty clever Uh to to have that and do it. So, you know, I'm sure it does happen like most things. Um, I like to think most people that are trained of, you know, are treating it in the right way. Wow, mm. I I had um, Erica uh, founder of Etiquette. Oh on, yeah, and recently she, she did a course and she loved it. And yeah. she said, I mean, she she just did it for a personal reason. Yeah. She's not um, practicing it, but um, 
she, for other people, but she, she said, oh, she found it really interesting. And I thought, well, maybe I should do one. I'm really intrigued. Yeah. So can you do it in five days? Would you have to do other you things? You can. There's a whole different level. Yeah, you can find like one day intro courses these days. You can do a certificate. You can go on and do the whole practitioner. You can be a master practitioner. Mm-hmm. You know, as anything, there's lots of levels. And I just, you know, my philosophy is try it, see how it goes, test it in your life, you know. See, see how you can benefit others with it. Amazing. Yeah, I think if your curiosity is there, then maybe that's something for you in the future. It's amazing. No, I really enjoy chatting yeah. to Kat as well. So we're all yeah. winners of the inspirational yeah. women, which is lovely. Um, oh, yeah. Really lovely. And chatting about how she, and she's a master practitioner in she's NLP, now. chatting mm. about how she uses it on the mountains. And it's just really oh, inspirational. Nice. It's, just, it's just amazing to think of what we can do. You know, it's it's powerful. The minds are powerful, and to you to be able to to do good in the world and and live a happier life and that inner critic to learn to silence it. And um, this month it's been PMDD Awareness Month. I don't know if you know much about that, but it's Stream PMS mm-hmm. um, or is it PM. I think it's something like that. I've yeah. heard of it. Um, and it's all about you know doctors are prescribing antidepressants and things like that because people are so low and I find sometimes I've started keeping a mood journal of my cycle and I feel like my cycle's great at the moment Um, and apparently when you get close to ovulating that's when you're like yeah 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 and I have been feeling like that I'll need to check my dates Uh it could just be that you know I'm exercising well this week I've got good things on (laughs) you know (laughs) you you don't know do you sometimes you try and work out why you're feeling a certain way and it could just be could be your cycle could be a chemical reaction um, but then it could be, like for example with NLP, right? Just say you were f- having a really down day and you didn't know why, and you were feeling low. Could you use it to boost your mood? And have you been Absolutely. able? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it is about um, being able to be aware of where your mood it, mood is at, and maybe if there's any contributing factors. Mm-hmm. But then be able to use some of those tools, techniques, the language to sort of say actually let me just acknowledge that so sometimes by just saying do you know what I feel angry you can name it and this comes very much to like things like meditation and Buddhism like detachment so mm-hmm. sometimes by kind of making something a bit more solid you might be going around in a bad mood all day but not really think about it you just know you feel a bit mm-hmm. whereas if you can actually stop and maybe just say do you know what I do feel a bit moody I'm, I'm moody okay am I right with that you know because there's something different right okay so what could I now do differently you know mm-hmm. so I think if something getting taking that control back in some way uh-huh. can sometimes help you find that little bit of detachment yeah especially like you know if if you're doing lots of things we all have lots of roles to play in our lives you know mother employer husband partner whatever all that is sometimes when you can detach yourself a little bit it can help you be what you need to be in that next role that's mm-hmm. demanded of you or you know we can carry things into all these different roles mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not always helpful yes um so i think yeah things like that can can be helpful and any tools and techniques can help you to bring that awareness for me awareness is always the good first step yes yeah awareness is key isn't it and it maybe gives you more of a choice then right okay i feel really moody today there might be a good reason for it but you know can i then choose to carry on just being moody or can i just kind of understand it maybe it's related to my cycle and Mm -hmm. you know maybe there's some medication that's going to support me or maybe i could just try getting on my yoga mat and doing a gentle 20 minutes or maybe it's getting a bit of fresh air because actually i've been indoors all day yeah just kind of opening yourself up to some of that stuff it may or may not work but you know there's no harm in giving it a try yeah in terms of yeah. toolkits what would you see would you see 
yoga's high up there on your toolkit for your mental health for sure I think it's held my hand through you know the last 20 years of my journey and I've been up and down doing lots of different things and um, the more I do it I also seem to understand that it's not just about getting on that mat and doing that crazy pose and it becomes a lot less that I think as I, as I age because it helps me in other ways you know through through childbirth through illnesses through death you know and, and all these other things that course happen around us in life and it's like a, a comfort and a, a best friend I suppose oh, in a lot of ways such a nice way of putting it yeah and it's a community because you send up linking other people and you find support in that way um and community is something that's really important to me yeah it's amazing mm. and um yeah I just think it's so powerful it makes me want to go and do some practice <laughs> you've brought a bowl with you talk talk me through yes yeah, so um yoga as we mentioned before can be many things so sometimes the power of sound can be like just incredibly strong or useful or take your mind into a different place so mm-hmm. i've got two things with me i've got um, a singing bowl here that i picked up when i was in india last year and um, singing bowls are traditionally handmade and i understand they're kind of made from a conglomerate of seven different metals mm-hmm. and um, you can play them a few different ways so you can dig them like this and then you can start to make them sing, which would sound more like this. I love that. Wow. You can even chant into them for a slightly different sound. vibrate at different frequencies you usually get a different sound from them um, so yeah they, they can be very beneficial if you start to get into energy work they can start to clear blockages through your body so people have lots of different experiences um, yeah just something different you can bring into yoga practice your life um, they can be very cleansing so just mm. in your room for a day can have an impact mm. I've zoned you out already. I love it. It's funny because when I'd finished the mindfulness course, I said um, to Craig, Ali, where did you get your singing bowl? I really Mm. want want to get one. Um, I did... I think he suggested a couple of places I could go in Edinburgh. I've totally yeah. forgotten. Probably Santosa, the okay. cafe bar down on Lee Street. Beautiful. They have sell singing bowls. Oh, really? Uh, Sam Yiling, the Tibetan Buddhist monastery down in the borders, which uh-huh. has been in Scotland. It was one of the first ones they brought to the West. I think it was the 60s or 70s. They've got a beautiful shop. Yeah. And uh, they sell all ethically and everything. Um, yeah a few places so do you use it in all of your practices i tend to switch it up i've become sort of very much more tuned into the energy planning my my sessions but more just sort of open to having the good intention and see what flows Mm -hmm. and i really enjoy that so yeah i take various things i've got a a big gong as well chinese wing gong they can do like gong sound bath so that my journey at the moment is very much more bringing in those elements into sessions and it's really interesting to see the, the the change and the impact that it can have and it's not always 
always great for everyone, mm-hmm. but people are generally open to it. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to go and do a session to um, Alzheimer's, um, a daycare like centre, and they, they go to a hall and they do different activities, I think, every week or once a month. Um, and they'd asked me to go along and do some yoga. So I did some chair yoga, and then I took along the gong, and I said, it'd be really interesting just to do some uh, gong work at the end. And uh, it was fascinating. These people, there were probably about between 15 and 20 of them, and they all came out of the gong, and they were just almost like they'd just been in a different kind of place mm-hmm. and the lady that took it said my goodness I've never seen that them kind of be in that different place before and oh. it was it was just lovely and uh, they all came out very calm and peacefully and um, yeah the energy just changed um, so that to me just kind of reiterated the the power that sound and vibration it can be very deep and just to be able to I suppose offer that different experience um, to, to those people um, and uh, interestingly enough from that I've just been invited to go along to the National Alzheimer's Conference which is taking oh. place at the um, the um, what's it called the EICC in Edinburgh the, the conference centre in June Amazing. and we're going to be doing a couple of sessions uh, probably chair yoga um, and uh, maybe a little bit of sound work and just sort of giving that experience in a wider context oh that's wonderful because yeah, you do speaking you were chatting to me you were, you've got a few things coming up so you go and you speak in corporate um about yeah. yoga and the power of it with their mental health yeah so yeah. do you do you have like a keynote that you prepared or do you how do you work that yeah, um, I do enjoy speaking. I almost like the challenge of it. So it is kind of, you talked about earlier about, you know, how do you face your fears and deal with your fears? And this is constantly really using all these tools in yoga yeah. because here I am, I'm living it now. So how am I going to get myself through it? Um, but I think it, um, just coming from the corporate world and having been under extreme pressure and anxiety, um, I really get what it's like. Mm-hmm. I also get how we can help each other and acknowledge and, and yoga is a tool. So I really like to bring that forth and let people experience a bit of that because, you know, maybe at some point in the future that will be something they remember and they can use. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of take it on as like, oh, this is something different. Let's see how this goes. Um, try not to get you know too hung up about it Um, but you always meet such amazing people and new connections when you do these things yeah you do and yeah I just have this phrase at the moment where everything can just be imperfectly perfect and it just helps take that pressure off me of being you know the best I'd be the best I can be how people interpret that is really up to them so absolutely it's for me it can be imperfectly perfect but I did my best (laughs) yeah and if you and your passion comes across um I want to come to to practice I'm I'm, I'm, uh, certainly intrigued and uh, I think it's amazing and when you have passion that's infectious yeah and and your true style as well because everyone will have different things uh, you yeah. know different paths and exactly. and ways so. and I really encourage people to try you know try different types of yoga try different teachers and you know most teachers are really open to people coming and going because it's yeah. about what's right for them and it changes over time and you know I love nothing more than going, finding new classes to go and visit because it just helps me learn and stay curious and you know, it's great. It's, it's all amazing. good. And it's such a great community of yogis and styles now, and increasingly more so in Scotland. We're really very lucky. It's growing. Yeah. It's on the... It's, it kind of feels like it's just time right now. It's the time. Yeah. For it all. I was going to a body balance class, um, and my favourite part of that was the five-minute meditation at the end. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They put all the lights out. Um, the kids were quite young when I was going regularly, so that's perhaps why it was my favourite part. And also, the, is it the one pose is that the one when you bring your leg 
Or is it? Swan pose. I don't know it's swan pose. pose. Or maybe pigeon pose. Kapitasana. When you bring your leg under and it helps open up the that's psoas pigeon, and the hips. Really pose. good hip opener. Yeah. I, I love the pigeon oh, good. pose. I yeah. just find that so yeah. soothing. It's kind of a pose. Like child pose is obviously yeah. really comforting. Um, but pigeon pose, probably one of my favourites. Really good for helping combat things like sciatic pain and the ner- sciatic nerve pressures too. So yeah. good, definitely a good one for women as well. We hold a lot of stuff on our hips. Oh, that yeah. can be a real one that shifts stuff. Maybe get a bit emotional when you do it, but in a good sense. <laughs> yeah, it's important. I I think my running bra, I, I was trying to piece. I'm a bit of a detective. And sometimes mm. when I sleep, I get this pain on my bra line and my back. Mm. Um and I was, I'd gone for a run yesterday morning and I wore this bra and it was, I thought maybe the bra's too tight. Right, yeah. You know, maybe with all those Easter yeah, eggs, my thought. cup size has got bigger. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it was just being in tune with that, you know, and right. thinking, right, you need to stretch. And if you're doing yeah. your cardio, like if you're into running or you're into, you know, cycling or whatever, it's really important to have that stretch time as well, isn't it? It really is. And just, yeah, to come back to your breath, let your muscles recuperate. You'll still get all the benefits of your run, but you're just, just helping everything else absorb it. Yeah. What's, what did it bring you when you were doing that five minutes you mentioned you loved in your, med- your relaxation at the end? Oh, just calm, balance. Just, oh, I just love it. Just real grounded, nice. you know, that, that yeah. feeling of just, it's so important that we take that time yeah so important but with such a busy fast pace of life it it almost feels self-indulgent sometimes but that's just nonsense because the busier you are the more you need it right totally and I think what you're saying there like all of us can you know relate to (laughs) absolutely life is and it's hard to switch off you know and Mm -hmm. we're bombarded with the news and all this negative energy because that's what sells like where our brains are wired to be hooked on negative news mm-hmm. and it's saying well actually i choose to step away from that i choose a bit of a sanctuary <laughs> yeah. it's fascinating i um, heard the, i met and heard this lovely lady sport, um, speak jetsam natenzin palmo and she's I think the most senior female buddhist nun in the world at the moment and uh, when she speaks she like taps into this stuff and she said she came out with these words like you know the mind loves to be miserable we can feed that loads you know we like to feed it the the challenge is to like give yourself like we're saying the the positive the energy that five minutes just to chill out and Mm. it can be so hard and yet allowing ourselves to do it the benefit can just be massive (laughs) it can just be magical can't it if you're if you're yeah. sort of open to it and you take the time to be open to it. Um, yeah. And the whole point of meditation is to allow yourself to more have that control, I suppose, guidance over your thoughts yes. so that you can, A, become aware when you start slipping into this negative spiral or cycle because it's so easy to do and we all do it so easily. Mm-hmm. But if you can catch yourself going there, yeah. it helps you at least make a choice about where to go in some ways. And I know mental health awareness and issues can be much more complex than that, but at least it's something we can at least try to help ourselves with. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's really interesting because next week I've been invited back into Scottish Parliament and uh, Sam H, the Scottish Social Mental Health, are having their reception and it's all about celebrating the impact of physical activity on mental health and awareness and mental well-being and um, I'm going in, I'm supporting them do um, a little bit of a chair yoga and then we're going to finish up with some mantra. Amazing. And uh, I loved it because last time we were there we had MSPs and, you know, they were just sort of so so out in something different in their life and of course MSPs themselves are very stressful active busy lives with lots of pressure on and it was lovely to have these conversations and let them experience something completely different in the day 
oh, and then just have the discussion about you know yoga but also physical activity and mental well-being and you know I, th- I think it's great that it's just being more spoken about and more accepted I think so I and it's it. only going to get better you know we can focus on all the negative stats about mental health but mm-hmm. that doesn't help we know there's work to be done but things are getting better stigma is being removed mm-hmm. there's a lot of good work out there and this yeah. is why i launched this podcast to inspire people to get people like yourself on um and it's amazing it's it amazing and, and it's baby steps and that's okay as well yeah baby yeah. steps it's fine just do it at your own pace um and i think we're going to do some mantra so is this where i get the thing up yeah the, yeah let's yeah. do this let's yeah. do it Perfect. Well, you've been amazing. I'm looking forward Aww. to doing mantra with you. This is a the different version of karaoke, and I'm really excited. So, um, <laughs> thank you. You're wonderful. Thank you, Jojo. Lovely to be here. So, um, mantra is all about the the use of sounds and words in a more like repetitive sense. So. Mm-hmm repeating words and they sometimes call that japa and it's the idea of moving past that sort of superficial um, mind and thoughts and going to a different place a deeper place where we can start to access things and be more relaxed come into like the meditative state Um, so that's the idea so lots of mantras and words out there I'm always discovering new ones which is always great and one of my favorites at the moment I was just talking to Jojo about um, was one that's a Loka Samistar Sukinyo Bhavantu and it basically translates into may there be uh, freedom and happiness for all and may I contribute to that freedom and happiness for everyone love that so it's a beautiful sentiment Um, it's lovely let me just give you an idea let's see if I can get my best voice here (laughs) so it goes like this Loka Samista Sukino Bhavantu And then it's just kind of you get into the rhythm and the flow and you just repeat that over and over again so you can sing it, chant it, you can listen to many things on YouTube. If you Google it you'll find lots of different versions. So we've got a little one here. Should we do a little bit of that? Okay. Luka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu Luka Samasta Sukino So 